Well, hello world, and thanks for listening today. My name is Max Gibbard. I'm from Team Logic IT, the franchise owner here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our podcast is called The Fishing Report, a forum where we can discuss all things cybersecurity. We can share best practices and learn from experts in the field. But given today's business climate and the impact of uh, coronavirus and the pandemic, we're all making some changes to help keep the fishing report, to help keep our businesses and to help keep the fishing report even more relevant for small and mid-sized businesses. So we'll be attacking some immediate challenges that are affecting small business in the pandemic world and share the impact of these challenges on people, process, and technology. So expanding beyond just the idea of technology. But I want to start with the uh, starting point of today's broadcast. It's about keeping everyone safe while protecting yourself from online harm and pro protecting your identity from theft are pretty important. It's equally important that we understand the impact that COVID-19 is having on our transition back to work. So today we're, we're really pleased to join or to, to welcome uh, a very special guest uh, via a remote broadcast from the state of New York. His name is Matt Wheeler, and he works for a company called Datto, D-A-T-T-O. Um, he'll wave on the screen now and, uh, and say hello to everybody. Um, I'm going to give everyone. him a chance to introduce himself as well. Um, but let me tell you a little bit about Datto. Uh, they are the world's leading provider of cloud-based software and technology solutions delivered by managed service providers. So the reason why we like Datto so much is because they care a lot about my kind of business. Um, they don't do business directly with our, our customers and uh, they're helping us to be successful. Datto believes that there's no limit to what small and medium-sized businesses can achieve with the right technology. They offer a variety of services and, and products including unified continuity, networking, and business management solutions and they've created a one-of-a-kind ecosystem for MSP partners. These partners have provided Datto solutions to over 1 million businesses across the globe. They were founded in 2007 and they continue to receive awards for rapid growth, product excellence, superior technical support, and for fostering an outstanding workplace. Now I'm going to give Matthew a chance to introduce himself in just a few minutes, but uh, first I wanted to share what we have in store for you and what's on tap for today's session. In typical format, we, we typically talk about the challenging times that we're up against, and today we're going to break down into four different parts. Uh, Matt's going to show some things or share some things about his role at Datto and experiences with Team Logic IT, and I'm going to share some information from a newly created white paper that I've produced and uh, talk about the idea of thriving in the post-pandemic workplace. Uh, we'll discuss together a great resource that Datto has put together to help us all return to the office after COVID-19, including some important questions that I have in mind. And to conclude, I've asked uh, Matt to prepare some what I call pandemic stories, and uh, we'll have a little rapid fire kind of set of questions that we can ask and get some information from him about his experiences today and uh, in most recent past. So if you have any questions or comments about this program, you can always join us on Twitter. Just post a tweet to at Fishing Report, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G Report, and you can join our community at the newly updated website, thefishingreport.net as well. So before we go any further, I want to give Matt a chance to introduce himself. Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your experience about today's topic, and your career background. 
I'm sure that uh, our audience would like to know more about how Datto helps businesses like TeamLogic IT to better serve their clients as well. Take it away. Thanks, Max. I appreciate the uh, kind introduction. I think that's the first time anybody's referred to me as a special guest, but uh, it feels good. It feels good to <laughs> Uh, be a part of this program. And, um, you know, I, I just apologize. I couldn't be there in person. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's it's kind of relatable for everybody who's tuning in. We're all in the same position for the most part. We're working from home. Um, as you can see, I am clearly working from home right now. Uh, my house happens to have one quiet room because I have a, a one and a half and a three-year-old, both oh boys, uh, <laughs> running around the house. And I've tried every single room, and the bedroom is the only one that provides any hope of quietness. So, <laughs> um, I have today. We're going to talk a lot about you know kind of the current market and, and, and the state of the market being work from home, and, and how can we carefully and successfully return to the office? Um, that is something that. Datto has done a lot of research on because it's very much uh, aligned with our business model and offering, but it's also out of necessity for our own company. We have 1,800 employees worldwide who are working remotely right now who are all set to go return to offices in some capacity and form over the next one to, to six months. So, um, like I said, I appreciate the time. Um, as Max said, my name is Matt Wheeler. I'm excited to be here. I am the regional and program manager for Datto. Um, Datto is a, a company focused on helping MSPs protect small and medium-sized businesses from a lot of different things, but it all boils down to downtime. Um, we know current market, uh, current day technology has, has grown into the everyday business flow. And businesses have leveraged technology to make them more efficient, to make them more profitable. Those are all good things. The negative side of that is once we remove the technology, working technology from the equation, we can't really produce like we did in the past. So that's what Datto really helps with. And we do it in a variety of different ways that will, will certainly show up today. Um, Max, anything else you wanted me to cover there? No, I think that's great. I'm uh, so grateful for you to be here today. Uh, appreciate your introduction I, and especially appreciate your company. Um, they've done a lot for us uh, in this business. As you can imagine, uh, life changed very quickly when uh, the COVID-19 pandemic hit our systems and our services. And so we uh, uh, lean on people that we trust and care about. And so thanks so much for, for Datto's support of our business and uh, the TeamLogic network in general. Absolutely. It's so I am, right? no problem. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I mentioned uh, earlier that uh, I've recently completed work on a white paper entitled Thriving in the Pandemic Workplace, Managing the Socially Distant Gaps. Uh, if you'd like a copy of that white paper, we'll be happy to send it to you. Just reach out uh, after the broadcast or, uh, as I mentioned, the, the Twitter's feed or, or uh, our website is a good place to start as well. This resource really shares some basic kind of insights about what to do to progress back to work and how to manage your technology, people, and processes. I've broken it into two parts. The first part is what we'll talk about today related to managing those gaps, primarily in technology. And the goal is to begin a dialogue with uh, the Fishing Report and other small business communities to be a resource and support during this ever-changing business environment. The COVID-19 pandemic has simultaneously changed the rules and created a new opportunity to adapt the way we do things. Technology, process, and workplace must adapt to a new set 
of norms and people must change their behaviors while exploring new opportunities for growth. Yet the uncertainty and the risks evident in today's world pose special challenges that we have never experienced before. And so now is the time to develop those special solutions that will bridge today's reality with an exciting new future. So it's about managing what I call the socially distant gaps. Socially distant workplaces require creative thinking to fill the spaces between people. Each person works individually. However, much of today's work relies on groups and teams. So this puts an emphasis on collaborative technology to help fill the gaps. So here's some ideas that I want everyone to think about as it relates to the idea of going back to work. Um, Matt, you mentioned that, that your team is all thinking about going back to work again. And mm -hmm. um, uh, over the course of several months, you'll be transitioning over that, over that time. So yes. a lot of these ideas are important to have in place before we, uh, before we think about moving people in, 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 into uh, the, the, the workplace again, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there, I think there, there are a lot of logical things to think of that are, are that anybody can really think of. And, um, you know, for instance, like it's post, post things in your office, reminding people to wash their hands and, and, you know, follow, uh, health hygiene, you know, accordingly. But there are also a lot of things that after I saw some of the research we were putting out, like, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even think of that. Um, but it makes total sense. All of these things, though, really boil down to a company's most important thing. And, and that's your people. Amen. Um, so this is where Max and our team, us techie people are the technology people pause and, and we start to play the role of a psychiatrist, if you will. <laughs> um, we need to keep in mind the psyche of of your employees, of the people. They, nobody has been in this scenario before, so they are very concerned. Um, so I think the companies who over-communicate constantly keep their employees up to date on the, the measures that they're taking, um, best practices to follow, educate them. Those companies who over-communicate and over-educate in that manner will definitely be uh, the most successful in, in, our, in our opinion. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more, and um, and certainly the ones that are nimble and creative in this time are the ones that are going to be successful. So let mm -hmm. me give you just a couple of ideas to consider as it relates to this, and some of this will relate to what Matt will talk about in his portion of the presentation. Um, but um, some things to consider. One of them is um, this idea of standardizing on an online collaboration platform. Uh, I know that I've had uh, experiences on Zoom. That's what we're meeting with today, and and uh, uh, Matt has uh, joined us that way, but we also have WebEx and GoToMeeting, and uh, my favorite actually is Microsoft Teams. It's the most effective in my, my view as far as collaboration online in the truest sense. But it's important that we collaborate in a common framework. So if, if you as an organization are using six different platforms for communicating online, it becomes a lot more difficult to manage and a lot more difficult to train and optimize the usage of your team. So I just recommend that you kind of pick one. It doesn't really matter which one. Um, and uh, certainly uh, move forward with that. Um, establishing technology policies. One of the things that we learned right after the pandemic hit was that uh, the, the typical workplace, your home base, has safeguards to protect and secure yourself and your computers from security issues and breaches. And so um, uh, places outside of your working environment don't have those same kinds of safeguards in place. So 
establishing a set of policies for how to use data outside of your office, how to use your own device outside of the office, who owns the data on those devices, uh, social media usage, all of those things are really important and how does it legally control your usage in the office versus out of the office and what kinds of uh, safeguards do you want to put in place in both of those locations. And then the last bit I, I think is uh, something that Matt mentioned just a minute ago related to it, uh, encouraging casual connections. Uh, you know, we're working from a distant location and it's really easy to become isolated and independent uh, from your team. So I always recommend some quick check-in conversations, uh, frequently communicating, weekly meetings if you need to, uh, daily check-ins or updates on things that, that help you with uh, relating to those things. But those quick one-on-one -on -one meetings are, are uh, important at various times throughout the week and it also improves the engagement with your employees. Yeah, Max, I, I, that last point, I, I couldn't agree with more because I was meeting with my team uh, probably two, three months ago and it's uh, 12, 14 person team and it's ranging from you know, a 25 year old up to a 50 year old, hmm. all different walks of life with different, their work from home is unique to themselves. So you have people like myself who have um, uh, kids that you're trying to figure out how do we take care of them? How do we homeschool them while we're still remaining productive at work? But then on the other side of it, the reason for that, that collaboration you were talking about, Max, or that interaction is so important is you have people who are sitting in a, a 400 square foot apartment by themselves with very limited interaction. And that's that's mentally draining on them. So as a team or as a company, it's important when we can't be together to leverage technology that will allow us to have some type of togetherness interaction. Absolutely, 100%. And uh, I, I have my own experience with uh, one of my technicians, we've all worked uh, started working from home in, in providing remote support to our clients. Uh, one of my technicians uh, lives in a in a home that has an unfinished basement and his office is in that environment. And so if you were to look at it from a background, you know, you don't get to see the beautiful um, um, seascapes and things that you see on some of the Zoom meetings <laughs> and backgrounds. But but um, uh, he's he's really worked out a way to be able to make it look as office like as possible. And he's using technology and his green screen and, and uh, to blur some of those those boundaries as well, so uh, it just it, it just is important that we think about all of those kinds of things and the, the fact that everybody's coming from a lot of different places. Yep. So uh, so we mentioned in the beginning that uh, Datto had uh, put together a, a set of um, guidelines, a checklist, uh, resources to help uh, companies return to work after the all clear is issued by a state government. Uh, Matt, I know your state is New York, and uh, you've yep. been obviously pretty affected by uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. My state is Michigan, and uh, we've been hit hard by the virus, but uh, both of us are just now getting back up and running and opening things up after nearly three months of a lockdown. So Dado's put this great resource together, not only to talk about the technology impact of returning to work, but also addressing the people, the office space, the impact of our clients. Um, we don't have time to highlight every bit of the, office, uh, of the document, but I did want to talk about a few key points. So, uh, Matt, in the people section of this document, uh, you referenced the importance of creating a return to the office schedule. Tell us why that's relevant and uh, how that might impact our success. Yeah, so it's, it's, um, I think it's really important to see success in returning. Um, think about it, we've all been self-quarantining for the past three uh, or so months. 
Um, both of my kids go to daycare and I feel like once every other week, one of them is, it has some type of cold. Mm. They have not been exposed to any germs. Therefore they haven't been sick for the past four months, Mm. which is great. But think about it from the other side, like when this stops and we go back to work or kids go back to school, our immune systems are going to need a little bit of ramping up time. Um, so we're encouraging businesses, no matter the, the size, small, medium enterprise, don't just open the doors and have essentially open the floodgates and have everybody come back. If COVID-19 has taught us something as an economy and as a nation, well, really as a world, it's we now have the technology to productively and efficiently work from home. So don't rush everybody back in. So as a business owner or department head, whatever your role may be, I think one good step is to sit down and come up with your roster division roster, company roster, whatever that is, and figure out how detrimental to the success of this person's role is it for them to be in the office space. Hmm. If they have to be there, then they're in the first wave. So create waves. If it's uh, nice to have them there, maybe they're in the second wave. If you know what, they don't have to be there, approach them and talk to them about extending work from home for them, give them that option um, because uh, you know, the fewer people we get into the office right on, you know, day one, I think we're, we're going to be more efficient. Um, another thing, Max, that, we, that we, we looked at is, is arrival and departure times, not to make this sound like an airport, but like, if you look at a company, I, I would venture to say 80% of the employees arrive between 8am and 9am, yep. 80%, if not more, leave at 5pm. So look at, at those roles, offer an early arrival and early departure time offer a late arrival late departure time so you could have a group of people arrive at 7 30 a group of people 8 30 a group of people 9 30 and then leaving at 4 30 5 30 6 30 you know those are just recommendations and you know you'll have to look at your your company as a whole and and you, you guys are better positioned to know what those waves and arrival and departure times look like um but those are some of the things we've noticed from from handling people getting back into the office. What do you think about that, Max? I do. I love it. I, I think uh, um, just the concept of the uh, number of people sitting at the door or interacting with each other and social distancing being compromised <laughs> the minute that um, you have a, a group of people that are coming in at the same time uh, is yeah. just sort of naturally affecting things. And um, just the idea of having an entry door and an exit door, I think, is a good idea as well. So yeah. um, lots of ideas and kind of related to that, uh, you know, in the technology or in the office space section of, uh, of the paper that you put together, uh, you suggest developing traffic flow patterns in your office. Now, yep. I've seen directions on the floor that people don't pay attention to in grocery stores. <laughs> um, but what do you think the value of that in the office is and how do we get people to comply? So a lot of this is it's new to everybody. Um, so it's going to be a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I would recommend, you know, going over some of this stuff with legal, your legal representation. You know, um, there are some things we mentioned in there where, you know, it's a, it's a good idea, but if people don't want to do it, I don't know how enforceable it is. Just as in the grocery market, you know, when I see somebody coming down the wrong way, 
um, and I kindly asked them to, you know, go the other way. Right. You can't force them to. Um, just last week, I, I talked to somebody who was going the wrong way, and they pointed to the arrow, and it was me that was going the wrong right. way. So it's not always intentional. Right. You know, it is mistake. But, you know, again, this first wave of going back, we have no idea what's going to happen. So let's play it safe. I think everybody there will be happy knowing that you, you, the business owner or the company, have put in parameters to help keep them safe. At the end of the day, traffic flow is going to limit their unnecessary exposure to somebody. Um, and if that, at the end of the day, helps them be safe and, and avoid uh, contracting the virus and having a successful return to the office, I think they will comply and be happy to do so. Absolutely, right on. Um, you know, the, the other side of this is obviously the technology implications. Um, just the simple idea of, and you mentioned this in, in the resource that we've been talking about, that the idea of documenting a list of employees who use personal, uh, personal, personal computers uh, yeah. to work from home. Uh, I can't tell you how important this has been for my clients. They just haven't had uh, much thought on this topic, uh, much less establishing policies and guidelines. Uh, what are you seeing as some best practices or what kinds of challenges are you seeing out there? Yeah, this is this is one of those things that I, I consider a non-negotiable. Um, and if you don't do it, eventually, my fear is eventually it's going to hurt your business um, because client data and, and really your own company data walked out the door when we went into a work from home status. Um, we were caught in such a uh, such a reactive scenario where it was a mad dash to get everybody out of the office, get them set up, um, work from home. We were just throwing technology. When I say we, I mean, in general, we were throwing technology at them, setting up VPNs. You have a computer. Great. Use that while we get somebody else who doesn't have a computer set up. Mm. So my fear is organizations out there have no idea where their data is living on if they don't have some type of um, checklist or, or roster, asset roster, anything like that. So please, I encourage you to sit down with your MSP and, and figure that out and, and have that documented and have, to Max's points, policies around util utilizing your own personal computer. Because a lot of it's preference. Like I, I have a MacBook at home and I said, you know what? I don't need, I don't need my Lenovo ThinkPad. Like, don't worry about it. I'll work off my MacBook. After a week and a half, I thought I was an Apple guy and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I need you to send me my laptop right now. And they overnighted it to me. Huh. Um, so we've been keeping track of all that stuff. Um, and I, I just think it's important because that's where the data is living. And if you leak client data, depending on your business line, you could be in, in a lot of trouble. Right on. Well, that really uh, leads to some questions I have as it relates to that. What, what clients, what our companies, what our customers should be doing. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the concerning things that are happening out there, but in the past, you and I have talked about the idea of being a data custodian. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm curious, Red, I'd like you to kind of help educate our audience about what that idea of being a, dis, a data custodian really means and um, how our clients' data might be unknowingly impacted by the pandemic. Yep, it's an interesting topic or, or thought, right? Um, yeah, so we're, we're going back and forth and we have our legal department meeting with our security teams to really figure this out is 
it's uh, it's something we, we've never really had to deal with. Ultimately, even without COVID-19, we would have eventually had to because that's just the trend, more people working from home. But as people are working out of the office and taking technology out of the office and accessing data out of the office, there's this principle of data ownership versus custodianship. Mm. Um, and in a utopic world, Every employee you have is going to stay an employee, a happy employee of your organization forever. But in reality, that's not the case. They're going to leave um, either their decision or yours, not all of them. Um, and at that point, you, found, you find yourself in a, in a bit of a, of a legal battle if you don't have outlined policies. Right. Think about this. Say I continued to operate off of my MacBook for the entirety of COVID-19 and work from home. All of that data that I had accessed, say I, we use, uh, Datto has its own file sync and share tool, say I copied that over to my hard drive. When I go to resign or, or I'm let go, who owns that data on my personal computer? If there's no policy defining it, then you, the organization, are going to have a really difficult time in a court of law of saying, hey, that really important client information that I know is sitting on a former employee's hard drive, you're going to have a hard time recouping that. Um, so this is, we don't have an answer to it yet, Max, unfortunately. Yeah, right. um, but it's just, we're starting, we want to provoke thought leadership. We're starting the conversation today. So as we return to work and as we see, let's face it, even when we return to work, not 100% of the workforce is going back to the office. Right. We're, we're anticipating, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30% of the workforce are going to remain in a work from home capacity. Um, so it's good to use this scenario as a reason to have those policies outlined. You know, when I was uh, earlier in my career, I, I worked for a career management consulting firm and, and helped people in transition from one job to another. And um, invariably, one of the biggest conflict points that happened in the negotiation of a separation agreement or in the transition from one company to another was who owns the cell phone? Who's responsible mm -hmm. for uh, the data that's on that cell phone? What is the usage of that cell phone and what's okay and what's not okay? And, um, you know, I saw everything from people confiscating, legally confiscating a phone that had pictures of the family on it and all those things, all the way to um, people who did a really interesting job of managing and, and dividing that up. But this idea of data custodianship is going to become a lot more, I guess, messy as we, uh, as we go forward in the process. 100%. That is, that is a, a, a topic that will stay. Yeah. So kind of related to this idea of data, but um, uh, something I just wanted to point out because uh, Datto is so, um, so active in this space is, is uh, this idea of backing up what we call software as a service. So the services that we have on Microsoft Office 365, on uh, Google G Suite and some of those other uh, online tools that we use every day, they're all producing data and storing data. and um, uh, what some people may not know is that Microsoft and Google don't don't guarantee the accessibility of that data over time. So um, tell us a little bit about the importance of uh, software as a service or SaaS uh, backup services. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good point you bring up. And even before COVID, we we're noticing that was one of the, the fastest growing spaces in, in technology. Mm -hmm. um, O360 people are adopting to O365 at an historical rate. Um, hackers have taken notice of Microsoft's uh, stock price, and they realize that you know this is a chance to um, to to find some low-hanging fruit. Because yeah. you're right, at the end of the day, 
Microsoft O365 is still very much a production solution, just as your on-prem exchange server was a production server. Does that mean it's being backed up? No, not necessarily. There are certain periods of, uh, of that it is being backed up, but after that, um, you are really exposed. So one of the things that, that we, we offer um, small, medium-sized businesses is this cloud-to-cloud -cloud backup. It's mm -hmm. protecting your O365 instance um, because let's face it, SaaS applications are the future. Unfortunately, the thing is one in three SaaS applications experience data loss. Right. So let's plan for the future. Let's plan for success. If a third of SaaS applications are experiencing data loss, let's do something that when that data loss happens, we're not going to feel the pain of it. When I say we, I mean you, the small, medium-sized business. So um, we do have a SaaS protection offering where it's going to make an entirely independent second copy of your data. And depending on how compliant you need to be with federal and local regulations, that is a requirement of having an entirely independent second copy of your data stored offsite. Right. So everything from the mailbox to the calendars to um, you, you know Microsoft Teams that Max mentioned, um, that is being made a, a redundant copy and stored safely in, in our data centers. So it gives you the ability to restore back to any uh, email message, any Microsoft Teams conversations, any pieces you collaborated through the file sync and share tool, um, and, it, and it works really well. Um, Max, I'm sure you, you've run into the Datto SaaS protection tool, right? Yes, in fact, we uh, uh, typically offer that as a uh, value-added service to our premium managed service clients. Uh, it's very inexpensive for us to provide, and. Uh, uh, really is just a safety measure, and, and especially for those that are using their SharePoint sites or uh, cloud-based data on a regular basis. It's uh, just an extra insurance policy, and I think it's just really important. Yeah, put it this way. I mean, it, it, and this isn't a, a, I'm not trying to sell it or anything, but if, if I'm starting an MSP, uh, a small, medium-sized business, and I'm using O365 or G Suite, I'm not doing it without having it uh, protected by a third right. party. Right, right. It's always a big aha for people. They say, "Oh, what? What, what do you mean? You know, Microsoft is ninety-nine point nine 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 percent up." Well, yeah, it is, yeah. but uh, they, they they don't protect yourself, protect you from your own personal issues with uh, accessing that data. You can easily delete stuff and and be in trouble. Yeah, and we won't get into it today because, but it is a, a good topic that you could ask Max to elaborate on. Is Microsoft and and Google with those two offerings? They 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 treat it as a shared responsibility model yep. um, where Microsoft and Google are responsible for certain things like, you know, Max mentioned they, they guarantee four, uh, four nines uptime. Um, that's of their own data centers and whatnot. Um, that doesn't cover malicious uh, right. hackers, uh, disgruntled employees, uh, human error, which is the biggest reason for data loss. So. Uh, if you if you're not caught up to speed on it, I, I highly encourage you as a follow up to this, you know, contact Max to go over kind of that shared responsibility model, just so you you know the, the things that you're investing in, what what you're getting with it, and what you're not getting. Absolutely. Well, I uh, did some uh, quick research and and gathered a few questions from our clients and some of my business networking colleagues, and so I've got some sort of quick rapid fire questions that I thought I'd put you on the spot with, Matt. If uh, if Great. you're game, yeah. All right, love it. Good. So. Um, you know, this concept of, of disaster 
you know, we think about uh, fires and floods and hurricanes and other kinds of other kinds of big deals. And um, we're, we're telling our clients that it's important to prepare for COVID as a disaster. You know, what does that look like? What's a disaster look like in a uh, backup and disaster recovery world uh, related to COVID, maybe uh, from your perspective? Yeah, a good question. Um, you know, it was kind of interesting. The first week or two in work from home, we noticed the number of attempted hacks globally plummeted. Yeah. Um, and you're probably thinking, why is that? Like, you know, now's the time. Like, they must be giddy. They realize this is the time that the villagers are in the process of leave, walking through the gates out of the castle. Once they're <laughs> out of the castle, they are prime for the taking. So yeah. they laid low for a couple of weeks, but then, boy, oh, boy, it came right back. So right. Um, we're just seeing a ton of, and it's nothing sophisticated. Uh, I wish I could tell you, you, you know, sit here and tell you, don't worry, you'll identify it because it's it's crazy sophisticated. It's not. It's basic. It's ordinary. That's that's the intelligence of it. Um, it's all focused around COVID-related uh, topics, emails from COVID-related topics, work-from-home topics that get just one person to click on it, and then they have you. Um, so um, that's really what we've noticed. The other thing I, we've noticed hackers paying attention to are VPN connections. Right. Um, a, what happens? Everybody's working from home. They're, we're encouraging, tech people are encouraging the employees, connect to the VPN, connect to the VPN time and time again. So they do it, most of them, not all of them, unfortunately, yeah. but most of them do it. And then they get on a Zoom call or a, a Microsoft team call and they're streaming and they have a kid streaming something on a, you know, a, a homeschooling program. And the primary ISP, that internet connection, starts to get stretched pretty thin and then what happens oh they start to see lag with their their video connection so the first response every not every but the average employee takes is what is turn it off disconnect yeah. exactly they disconnect from the vpn and so hackers out there are watching for those uh for for employees when they disconnect from the vpn because they know they're exponentially more susceptible at that point so those are like the two big things we've noticed specific to hackers and COVID-19. Right. Yeah, I, it, it strikes me that, that a lot of the uh, personal and private uh, information starts to blend with the business uh, critical mm -hmm. kind of information. So uh, you run the risk on both sides. You run the risk of losing your business critical data, but you're also exposing your personal uh, data to that, ex uh, to that same scenario. So it's just really important to be diligent and careful in that process. Absolutely. So uh, uh, it seems like every month or so you guys come up with a new statistic related to uh, downtime and the cost of a ransomware attack. But what's the current number for how much it costs in downtime and what's the current trend in ransomware, ransomware attacks that you're seeing? So uh, successful ransomware attacks have been increasing. We've noticed that. Um, and I, I, to be honest with you, I don't have trends on the cost of downtime. Okay. But what I look at with the cost of downtime is specific to your organization. So. I, I work off of a, off of the mentality of if I don't prepare for it, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Murphy's law, right? If I if I, if I don't prepare for it, the worst thing's going to happen. So, um, I just know, you know, a business. Look at your annual revenue le levels, and then back that out to how much revenue are you producing on an hourly basis. Gartner and Forrester Research, uh, they've done research and published that. The average small, medium-sized business across the country and across 
all sectors. So it's not specific to a certain area of the country or a, sp a specific industry. All of these small, medium-sized businesses in the U.S. on average will experience 17.82 hours of downtime. Wow. So from there, and that's the bad news. The worst news is we don't know when it's going to happen. The worst news is we don't know why it's going to happen. So that's why Max and Datto, we don't focus, and Team Logic, we don't focus on the why or the when. We focus on providing security and a solution that's going to make the why and when obsolete. So Absolutely. with the technology deployed, it doesn't matter when you get hit with ransomware or an employee deletes a file. We have all of that data and we can give you biggest difference between backup and business continuity is backup will make a, a second copy of it, but it's going to take a really long time to get that server back up and running, maybe a week, maybe two. Business continuity will have all of that data just as a backup will, but we can get that up and running and you up and running on it within seconds or minutes or hours, depending on your infrastructure. Right, right. So uh, uh, related to uh, hacking and, and incidents in cybersecurity, uh, are, are most of what you're hearing about COVID related or have they sort of gone back to the basics as it relates to uh, cybersecurity incidents? It's all, it's all COVID right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all COVID and my, and my concern is it's all COVID because COVID is working, yeah. that, that COVID coverage, if you will, that yeah. they're, yeah. That they're um, sliding in under it, it is working. Um, so just be weary of it. Keep an eye out for it because um, it is it is working for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I've seen. Um, <laughs> I have no knowledge of what this really means, but um, I've seen tons of people in my friend network that uh, are responding to this um, pitch that they're getting on on Facebook that they can win a new motorhome or they can win a new camper or they can win in this this uh basically it's it's sort of pitching the idea of i want you to be isolated i want you to be you know sort of jump in the jump in the motorhome and go on a trip for a couple of weeks and so yeah um the, the hackers are actually using those trends to try to figure out ways to get in and and push your buttons so to speak so uh, <laughs> just always be careful what you're liking on facebook i guess yeah that's true and one thing if i were a business owner that i would be investing in as we we return to the office is phishing i don't know what it's called and, and dado does not offer it so th this is obviously not a sales pitch but um phishing training yeah so we have a team internally at dado who tries to stump dado employees right like that it sounds twisted but that they send us fake phishing campaigns through our emails and we have to report it back to them and if we click on it they're keeping track of that and they have the statistics all right here are the high offenders and you literally have to go to a security training. Right, um, right. So, you know, it's it, it started with email, it's spreading to social media. Um, so get ahead of it and, and train your workforce. Absolutely. And that uh, kind of relates to um, uh, my last kind of couple questions related to um, some of the tricks that are out there. What's the trickiest uh, cyber related scheme that you've come across lately? <laughs> So all of it's been pretty basic uh, lately, but, um, you know, some of like the ones that I've looked back historically and been like, that is such a, that's such a, a sophisticated infrastructure and scheme mm -hmm. that it's diabolical. Yeah. Um, there's one called, uh, there was one called the McDonald's. Hmm. Um, it was something like the McDonald's hack or something like that, where they, the, the hackers, 
based their ransomware request, so the amount of money they're requesting back in, in form of Bitcoin, based off of the value of, of a Big Mac that McDonald's offers. <laughs> and the reason, because they know in New York City where you're paying $8.97 for a patty versus somewhere else where that's $1.70, they know the $8 market, you know what, we can charge them more money. Huh. Um, so it kind of like scratched my head and it was like, man, there are a lot of messed up people out there. So that was, yeah. that's one that for, for all of time will stick in my head. What <laughs> about you? I heard about a one, um, uh, they called it the popcorn, uh, cyber incident or the, uh, the popcorn, uh, scheme, uh, where they would, um, send you a ransomware notice. You, you've been attacked. And, um, then, uh, they said you have two choices. You can either pay us a small ransom or you can. Uh, forward us two individuals that uh, we can hack <laughs> in exchange for that. So that uh, that was uh, kind of a nice, nice thing. And <laughs> I thought, well, you could probably, you know, find some enemies that you want to get back at, but wouldn't recommend yeah. it because then you'd be kind of part of the part of the uh, legal requirement, I guess. But <laughs> or if you uh, want two less Christmas or holiday cards that right. year, pick, you can pick two people <laughs> from there. That's, Very good. I think that's more diabolical than, than, than the McDonald's scheme. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's certainly tricky, for sure. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so um, uh, a lot of times you, you talked about cybersecurity education, and the last question that I had is related to cyber insurance. Um, do mm -hmm. you think that's a valuable investment, and, and are you seeing people um, gain benefit as a result of that? Yeah, I, I think security is the biggest thing. That we're facing as an economy as you know just this time in history this point in, in history um you need to invest in it as a company you need to invest in it um there is no silver bullet my my approach to it would be three-pronged one is a, a a continuity solution um where your network goes down max can, and his team can click a few buttons and you're back to work business as usual the additional is uh, an, an antivirus. Um, try to limit the number of times you go. You know your network goes down. Sure. Um, so having that on the on the front gate, you know that uh, protecting the front gate, that's important. But then if if both of those fail, you always want to plan for the worst outcome. So if both of those fail, cyber insurance, I think is an absolute must nowadays. And the the cool thing about that is. It's not, and I'm I'm not an insurance expert, right. nor am I a security <laughs> insurance expert. So do not quote me on this. But I just being involved in the industry and having conversations with peers and whatnot, I I know some cyber insurance policies will reduce the monthly premium if you have a continuity plan in place that right. Max and his team can document and have in place for you. Right. Um, so that's it's not just increasing your uh, your cash flow out by threefold. It actually, if you use them in unison, it will help the cost uh, overall. Absolutely. Well, uh, wow. Uh, thanks for all the insights, Matt. It's uh, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. And as I mentioned before, we just really appreciate everything that Dow does for us. So as a conclusion, I want to share a few insights that I've adopted, and I, I share these with my clients related to the immediate things that you can do to get back to work. Um, first, it's important to have secure access to the internet. Make sure you have a good handle on how people are using the internet, where they're sharing data, what's happening with that information inside of your work and potentially home environments, and think about and make sure that you have that VPN connection and connected at all times, or maybe even a cloud workspace solution uh, for those kinds of changes. Um, 
lots of different ways that cybersecurity threats are happening. Uh, in fact, I've heard of most phishing attempts are phishing related as we are COVID related as, as Matt talked about. So they're trying to prey on our vulnerabilities. So it's really important that education and training be a part of your solution, a part of your, your landscape, regardless of who provides it. Just make sure that you have understanding what's going on. And then um, make sure that it's easy to access your systems and resources, uh, both from home and from the office. Uh, so having adequate um, security and password complexity is really important, but you can also add some multi-factor authentication platforms that make it easier to access your data and take the guesswork out of password management. So that might be something to think about as a quick win as it relates to that. So that's all I had to share with you today. Matt, do you have anything else to add? No, uh, I appreciate you guys having me. I had a, a ton of fun here. Um, I think Max, you and I could have gone on for another two hours, but yes, we'll we save. We'll save the people. I, I think we gave them enough for today. Yeah. Um, I highly encourage encourage you guys um, reach out to Max and his team uh, for that copy of the, the return to office checklist. We probably, Max, what would you say? We went over a quarter, a fifth of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, something Barely. like that. I mean, we, we scratched the surface on it for sure. Yeah. And there's just a, when it first came out, I sat there in every check checkpoint, I would say, quarter of them I was like yep I thought of that but the three quarters of them I was just like oh my gosh like uh, why didn't I think of this so you definitely want to just go through it so when the time comes whenever it is hopefully soon that you return to the office um, you will ha you'll do it in a successful way in a way that your employees feel safe and feel comfortable so thank you again Max for including me today and thank you everyone for tuning in yeah thank you very much I, I, I mentioned it before but I am grateful for you taking the time um, the thing that's most exciting to me is I know that I'm going to hear about people who have heard little bits and pieces of information in this and uh, West Michigan, the state of Michigan, the broader Team Logic IT community is going to benefit from all of this. So thanks to Dado, you're a great partner and your team is doing all you can to help us to be successful. So let me conclude with this. Remember, only you can prevent cyber attacks. Uh, when it comes to uh, protecting yourself, it comes down to each of us individually and how we go about responding to each situation and circumstance that we encounter. So all of that is to say we can only control what we can control and we want to keep an eye out for the disasters that are going to happen in the future. So thanks for listening to today's installment of the Fishing Report. Let's start a conversation at Twitter at Fishing Report and if you have questions or like to share a story let's uh, set a time to chat uh, or potentially I could have you as a guest on our broadcast in the future. Special thanks to WKTV, the Kentwood and Wyoming Community Television Production Facility, where we've originated today's broadcast, and Team Logic IT has provided a ton of support for all of this. So if you ever need anything technology-related or have any questions, call Max at Team Logic IT at 616-727-0107. Zero seven. Thanks for listening and let's be safe and productive out there.